Welcome to Inner Force. Your host is Angela King. Inner Force is all about using the tools within you to be a better leader. If you are looking to build a better business, connect more effectively with others, and become the leader you've always wanted to be, it's time to unleash your own inner force. Now, here is Angela King. Welcome. I'm Angela King, and this is Inner Force. This week, we're talking about the power of cultivating agency in ourselves and each other. We will talk about what agency is and why it matters. We'll introduce a simple framework to help us see the agency we have in a situation at work or in our lives. We'll review the various parts of the inner force process that support us in both meeting difficulty and seeing our agency in the midst of it. In our new Ventures West segment, we'll be joined by Melinda Stevenson, who is a certified integral coach and consultant with over 22 years of experience in human development, and who also serves as a member of the New Ventures West faculty. As we learn how to simultaneously hold the difficulty in a situation and cultivate our own agency, we expand our capacity and resiliency to meet the situation and thrive in the midst of it. This is what being connected to our inner force is all about. We define inner force as our deepest, most authentic self and the source of our vitality. Our inner force houses our deepest truths, our most tightly held values, and our intuition. And it's already within each of us. The mission of the inner force show is to help create a set of practices to use in the midst of our busy lives that will do three things. First, build our connection to ourselves. Second, regenerate the state of our inner world. And third, to generate fuel for us to bring our contribution out into the world. Cultivating our agency is a move that builds on many of the other aspects we've introduced as a part of the inner force process. In order to cultivate our agency, we need to be paying attention to ourselves in a particular way through our thoughts, our emotions, our internal states, and our patterns in our body, all topics we've been exploring over the course of the inner force journey we've been on together. So we'll take a few minutes here to review some of the key concepts that we've introduced including mindfulness and cultivating our inner observer, paying attention to our internal dialogue, our thoughts, and specifically our inner critic, owning our emotions, tracking our internal states, and awareness that we've been gaining of our physical body. So when it comes to paying attention to ourselves, we introduce the practice of mindfulness as a huge support as it helps us access our inner observer. As a reminder, we've been using John Kabat-Zinn's definition of mindfulness, who's one of the leaders in the mindfulness space. He defines it as paying attention in a particular way, on purpose, in the present moment, non-judgmentally. One of the widely held benefits of a mindfulness practice is that it helps us cultivate the observer. We begin to know that we are not our thoughts. We are the person observing our thoughts. In our show a few weeks ago that we did about the power of our thoughts and our internal dialogue, we explored the observer a bit further and brought up the structure of the inner critic. Breaking down our internal dialogue and understanding it is an important step in being able to cultivate the observer. As a reminder, our inner critic develops out of the socialization process and it's completely normal. We all have one and in fact we wouldn't be socialized if we didn't. When we were little, we began to internalize the voice of our caregivers that told us not to run across the street or put our finger in the light socket. The internalization of that voice helped keep us safe at that point in our life. Now, once the socialization process is complete, this structure turns its attention to trying to help us manage all kinds of other choices as adults. It's important to know that the development of the inner critic is essential in our development, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Our caregivers, teachers, and coaches were doing their job by helping us learn how to keep ourselves safe in the world. The inner critic's commentary often takes the form of shoulds and should nots. And there's a distinction here between our conscience, which is centered on what is ethical, and the critic that is yapping at us about what we should or should not do. The inner critic tends to push us in all kinds of ways that are necessary, unnecessary. Excuse me. It's running the show. It's making decisions about what we eat, what we create in the world, what we wear, what amount of money we spend or don't spend, 
And for many of us, the inner critic is running the show, even now as adults, until we decide that it's not going to anymore. So the concept of the observer applies to our inner dialogue, and it also applies to our emotions. Through the cultivation of the observer, we begin to know that we're not our emotions. We are the person observing them. And a few weeks ago in our show entitled The Power of Owning Emotion, we worked through a simple framework to begin to access and explore our emotions, which consists of the following five steps. The first is to tune in and get present. By bringing our attention to the emotion, we acknowledge it and give it the space it needs. Step two is to start to stay, to trust ourselves to stay with the physical sensations that may be arising with the emotion. Conscious breathing and feeling the weight of our body and our feet can all be supportive in staying with those physical sensations. Step three is name it. We can learn to name the emotion we're having. And we've been focusing on the big five, fear, anger, sadness, shame, and joy. The fourth step is around the choice, that we begin to see that we have a choice of what to do with our emotions. We can turn toward them consciously or repress them and most likely act them out in some unproductive way or have them leak out when we least want them to. And the fifth step in owning emotion is taking action taking the action that's most aligned with how we want to show up. In the show we did around the power of tracking our internal states, we saw how our inner dialogue can affect our emotions and also impacts the state of our internal system in our body and the regulation of that system. We introduced the concept of the zones of regulation by Leah Coopers, which helps us understand what state of alertness we're in. And in our show, the entitled The Power of Awareness of Our Physical Body, we looked at the ways in which we can bring more awareness through our breath, our ground, and our posture to our physical body. The body is such a powerful tool that is at our disposal in every moment to both help us hold difficulty, and it is also a place that houses our patterned responses, which is something we'll explore more fully today. So today, we're drawing on all of this work so far through the inner force process as we step into this inquiry about how we can see and cultivate the agency we have in the midst of any situation. A little later in the show, we'll explore something called the drama triangle, which was first introduced in the 1960s by Dr. Stephen Cartman, which gives us a helpful framework for breaking down what's going on in any situation. You can read about the drama triangle online and in various places. And we've selected a few resources that cover it on our website, fuelinnerforce.com. So what is agency and why does it matter? For the course of our discussion today, we'll use this definition of agency, that it is our own personal power, freedom of movement, or choice in a situation. Seeing our agency in a situation gives us more power to choose which path to take in a conflict or difficult situation. When we see our agency, it can be like a light bulb that goes off in our minds that has us see the situation in a whole new light. And of course, this matters immensely in this particular moment in our history as we've talked about the VUCA systems that are that we're in. VUCA, which stands for volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous, which can be overwhelming. The inner force process is a system designed to help us build capacity and resiliency through cultivating the connection that we have with ourselves in order to meet the difficulty of this moment with more of ourselves, more of our capacities, and our creativity. Agency matters because it can help relieve us from the stuckness we may be encountering. It can help us see what moves we can make, what we can control, what we can shift, what we have contributed, and thus what what will have us take the necessary steps to take responsibility for our part in the difficulty. Agency is another way of turning in towards ourselves to tune into what's happening in our own system and to meet that reality, whatever it is, and then take whatever steps are called for. Agency is what ensures that we are the ones in the driver's seat versus our inner critic or other old forms of stories or unmet emotions like fear, maybe, that might, might be doing the driving. Agency is what has us be the change that we want to see in the world, as Gandhi says. 
Now, one distinction I'd like to make here before we go to break is that agency is most effective once we've taken the various steps in our inner force process of being with whatever is coming up for us. If we go directly to action, we may bypass important information in our emotional and physical bodies that can help inform the true agency we have in a situation. All action without the truth of what's actually occurring currently is not true agency. And it may be that it recreates a situation that we don't want, or it may be action based on the habitual pattern or old belief set. This is where it's helpful to remind ourselves about the cycle of change and how we can create lasting transformation within ourselves. And we'll review that framework coming up in our next segment. The bottom line is that our ability to find agency in, this, in any situation comes down to our ability and our capacity to be present with what's actually occurring in the moment. It's all about the turn inward towards what is happening inside of me. What is the nature of my thought patterns? What am I feeling? What sensations am I experiencing? And what is happening in my body that might need attention? We can begin to treat what's happening inside of us with respect, with great intention, and with great focus. We can begin to treat what's happening inside of us with reverence, and actually that shift can become a practice in and of itself. It's the shift in seeing how I'm showing up now that allows us to see the possibility of our true agency to emerge. This quote from the Enneagram Institute is one of my favorites. Quote, the deepest source of real power lies in consciousness and the ability to be present in all circumstances. Each one of us has access to the present in each every each and every moment. However, it's not easy. It's not easy to access our presence in the midst of our busy lives or in the midst of difficulty. And so as we dis- have discussed before, it really helps to practice, like bringing in mindfulness so that we learn how to direct the power of our attention. As James Flaherty, the founder of New Ventures West, who was on the, few, the program a few weeks ago, always says, we need to practice when it's easy so that we'll, it'll be there for us when it's hard. We have to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll dive further into how we can cultivate our agency in ourselves and others. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Inner Force is brought to you by New Ventures West. Pioneers of the renowned integral coaching method, New Ventures West has been offering transformative training programs for three decades. Their world-class faculty is known for developing masterful coaches who are of genuine service to their clients while staying true to themselves. With a focus on personal transformation and practical wisdom, leaders from all over the world have learned to cultivate greater capacity and fulfillment in their lives and to make a more meaningful contribution to those around them. Learn how integral coaching is applied in business leadership through masterful conversations. A three-day workshop for professionals offered in San Francisco, the Washington, D.C. area, and other cities worldwide. Visit newventureswest.com slash innerforce to explore what is possible. That's newventureswest.com slash innerforce. New Ventures West. Bring your whole self to life. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. This is Inner Force with Angela King. We'd love to hear your questions and comments on today's show. Please send your questions and comments by email to info at fuelinnerforce.com. Now, back to Inner Force. Welcome back. I'm Angela King, and this is Inner Force. 
we're talking about the power of cultivating agency. And I wanted to open with this quote by Carl Jung, who said, everything that irritates us about others can lead to an understanding of ourselves. This work of cultivating our agency is all about the turn inwards towards ourselves, seeing with objectivity how we are showing up currently, and then exploring what other possibilities might be available to us. So back in the early part of the Interforce process in our second show, we covered a super helpful framework from the leaders at New Ventures West called the Cycle of Change. And it's relevant to this work today in the realm of seeing our agency. So I'd like to quickly go over that. The key to creating the change we want is to pay attention to how the cycle of change works and to intervene. In this framework, we learn that the way that we stay the same and the way that we change are exactly the same process. So we act in certain ways, and these are our habits. The practices that we engage in turn us into the kind of person that we are. Our commitments, our values, our reactions, the people in our lives, our belongings, our natural and normal and comfortable reactions to everything. And because of these things, we pay attention to certain things, which is the what of what shows up for us. And because we pay attention to these certain things, we act in certain ways. And it goes round and round. Now, the leaders at New Ventures West suggest four ways to intervene. The first is through awareness, self-reflection, and noticing what we're paying attention to. The second is to engage in new practices. The practices we engage in have us become the kind of person that we are. Third is a relationship to hold us in the new behavior, someone who, who can support us with objectivity. And four knowing that it's not just a matter of making up our mind to change, it's doing new practices, which brings change into being. So how does this all relate to agency? Well, the things that we pay attention to, the things that we believe are, quote, just the way things are, are what we can think of as our lenses. These lenses shape what we see. We bring our lenses with us wherever we go, whatever situation we're in, And in fact, the lenses that we see the world through actually can contribute to the creation of some of the situations we find ourselves in. When we can begin to know that these lenses exist, we can begin to then separate what is actual fact or data versus what is our interpretation of that fact or data. Our lenses are what we focus on. They are filters through which we see the world and most of us take them to be fact. All of the information we take in from ourselves and others comes in through these particular lenses, which develop through the course of our lives, our family of origin, our history, our experiences, our education, the culture we're born into and live in currently, all of which creates our behavior and our stance of who we take ourselves to be, which in turn creates a certain set of results in the world. We bring this stance of who we take ourselves to be into every interaction, situation, and conflict. The power lies in understanding that we have this stance and bringing our consciousness to it so we can begin to see how we might be habitually showing up. The drama triangle is a framework that gives names to the roles of who I take myself to be in conflict. This framework was first introduced in the 1960s by Dr. Stephen Cartman. And it gives us a way to understand the roles we might habitually put ourselves in without knowing it. One of the authors that does a good job of describing this framework is David Emerald on both his website and his book entitled The Power of TED, which stands for the Empowerment Dynamic. And we'll be drawing on his definitions here of the roles. So the drama triangle outlines three primary roles that we use to manage our fear and and anxiety in conflicts, the victim, the persecutor, and the rescuer. So let's talk about the victim. When we're in the victim role, we feel powerless and at the mercy of life's events. In this role, we may avoid taking responsibility for our part in a situation and instead blame others or the circumstances as the cause of our difficulty. The second is the persecutor. The persecutor can either be a person or a condition, such as a health condition or maybe even a situation like a natural disaster. When the persecutor is a person, they often try and dominate others through blame, criticism, or oppression. 
And the third role is the rescuer, who believes others will appreciate and value them for their good deeds. Rescuers look for victims to save. Now, in each one of these three roles, we're typically looking at the situation through a problem orientation, and we focus on what we don't like or we, or we don't want about the situation. In each role, we see the other person as a problem to react to. Now, most likely, we have a habitual role that we tend to slot ourselves into. And this may be particularly true under stress or in conflict. There will be certain thoughts, emotions, and patterns in the body that occur associated with each one of these roles. And we'll talk about these a little bit later in the show. So the question is, are you willing to get curious about which role you might often step into? I believe it takes real courage to begin to this type of an investigation. In order to see the role we are playing, it can be hugely supportive to pause and to bring in the awareness to seeing with objectivity which part of the triangle we're standing in. The power of the pause can change everything. In the pause, we interrupt our habitual reaction and give ourselves a chance to make a more conscious choice. Later in the show, we'll talk about how we can reflect on opportunities to pause when we introduce our practice of the week. So how can we deal with these habitual roles in the drama, drama triangle? So again, back to David Emerald in his empowerment dynamic language. He calls the shift to the move from the victim who is powerless to the creator. And the creator, quote, taps into his or her personal power in order to choose a response to life circumstances. Therein lies a creator's power to manifest a desired outcome. So we can slide over from the victim's seat to the seat of the creator. If we're talking about the persecutor, whether that's either a person, a condition, or a situation, becomes what Emeralds calls the challenger, who is, quote, the one who provokes others to action. The challenger may be compassionate or confrontational or both. A challenger calls forth a creator's will to create, often spurring him or her to learn new skills, make difficult decisions, or do whatever is necessary to manifest a dream or desire. The challenger is a kind of teacher who points towards life's lessons, towards opportunities for growth embedded in the living of life, end quote. So here, the persecutor slides into the role of the challenger. That's the opportunity. And then in the last role, the rescuer can become what Emerald calls the coach. Quote, the coach is the antidote to the victim's rescuer. While both the coach and the rescuer seek to support the other person, the rescuer actually draws the power away from the victim and reinforces his or her own powerlessness. A coach leaves all the power with the creator and seeks only to help facilitate his or her personal progress. A coach is the embodiment of a creator's desire to share power with another. And again, it's through pausing and seeing a situation as it is with the objectivity that we can then see and move into one of these more empowering roles. Ultimately, we can start to see that power isn't a binary thing. We can begin to challenge the notion that only one person in a situation can be powerful whether that's in a team, a corporation, or a family. It's a commonly held belief or stance that only one person can be powerful. I'm, For example, I'm big and I've got it together, and oh, this poor person over here, they're small and, and the victim. Or, wow, that person over there is super successful and, and I'm over here as the unsuccessful one who's not smart or whatever it is that we tell ourselves. It's very common that we slot into these roles and it both limits ourselves and each other. We can all be big. We can all have a say. We can all be in our personal power. One reason that people are made to feel less than is because someone with positional power discovers or feels or senses some sort of weakness in themselves that they're unwilling to be with. And instead of being with that weakness, they take someone else down. They squash someone else's dream or someone else's spirit. Instead of tearing us apart in this moment, we need to lift each other up. Now, make no mistake, this is super difficult work. It's not for the faint of heart. It is those for those with courage, with grit, and with capacity. And we build this capacity cell by cell, 
breath by breath, step by step. Real strength comes from being present to our inhale and our exhale, from being present to our sadness, our grief, our part, the part in us that may feel really small like a child. When we can be with that, that is real strength. That is real power. And that is where real freedom begins. When we as leaders can tolerate our discomfort of being vulnerable, the discomfort of asking for help, the fact that we don't actually have every answer, that we don't have control over every outcome or control over every detail. When we can be with our own difficulty, that is when it all changes. That is when it all rises. That is what it's going to take to save the planet and save the generations that are coming. In this moment in our history, we all have to rise. Everywhere, in every organization, team, and household, we need to empower ourselves and those around us to rise and to speak up and to contribute in whatever way we can. Now, it's a common reaction to feel threatened by other people's rising. And when we feel threatened, instead of making that other person feel small or collapsing into the victim role that we may have historically put ourselves in, we can look inside ourselves and we can ask, what is it here that I'm afraid of? I believe that's the most courageous question we can ask. When we see our own agency or we step into the role of coach and support another person in seeing their own agency, we all step into our personal power. And that is critical in order to save ourselves and our world. We need to take another quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk to our guest, Melinda Stevenson, in our new Ventures West segment. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Inner Force is brought to you by New Ventures West. Pioneers of the renowned integral coaching method, New Ventures West has been offering transformative training programs for three decades. Their world-class faculty is known for developing masterful coaches who are of genuine service to their clients while staying true to themselves. With a focus on personal transformation and practical wisdom, leaders from all over the world have learned to cultivate greater capacity and fulfillment in their lives and to make a more meaningful contribution to those around them. Learn how integral coaching is applied in business leadership through masterful conversations. A three-day workshop for professionals offered in San Francisco, the Washington, D.C. area, and other cities worldwide. Visit newventureswest.com slash innerforce to explore what is possible. That's newventureswest.com slash innerforce. New Ventures West. Bring your whole self to life. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is Inner Force with Angela King. We'd love to hear your questions and comments on today's show. Please send your questions and comments by email to info at fuelinnerforce.com. Now, back to Inner Force. Welcome back. I'm Angela King, and this is Inner Force. Today, we're talking about the power of cultivating agency. And this is our new Ventures West segment, in which I'm thrilled to have Melinda Stevenson joining us. Melinda is a certified integral coach and consultant with over 22 years of experience in human development and also serves as a member of the New Ventures West faculty. Melinda provides outcome-based coaching to senior teams and senior executives. Her coaching is a blend of pragmatic guidance and curious exploration into the underlying assumptions and thought patterns which support leadership performance. She draws on her knowledge of neuroscience, positive psychology, emotional intelligence, 
and cognitive behavioral change to help leaders and their teams learn and grow. She has helped clients to build new skills in areas such as strategic thinking, influence and persuasiveness, relationship and conflict management, and coaching others. Prior to her career as an external coach and consultant, Melinda served as the Vice President of Human Resources for Gap Brand and Senior Director of Organizational Development for Gap Inc. Welcome, Melinda. Thanks so much for joining us in the midst of your crazy, busy international travel schedule. (laughs) Thank you, Angela. It's my pleasure to be here. So as you know, today we're talking about the drama triangle, and I was wondering if you could give us a sense of how you use the drama triangle with clients and how it's helpful. Yes. Um, You were speaking earlier about um, how the triangle, uh, as it was uh, first introduced by Cartman, um, really tends to show up during conflicts, and this is what I see in my work with clients as well that um, the client will come uh, into a coaching session with maybe something quite difficult that they're in the middle of, a challenge uh, that is often in the form of a conflict. And, um, and when the client feels particularly stuck or where their emotions are running high, I, um, uh, that tends to pique my interest and I start to uh, listen for um, what stance or what lens they might be in. You were speaking about that before as well. Um, and the, drang- the drama triangle is sort of one um, explanation of a lens or a role or a stance that we can be in. And so I perk up my ears and I start to listen, and then I can um, really point often to a client. I can, uh, I can summarize and I can say, based on what you're saying, I wonder if you are seeing yourself as the victim here and can can say a few words about that um, and see if that resonates with my client. And then to uh, and then, then that opens up possibilities for us to explore sort of how that's working or not working in this particular situation, how that role might be limiting them. Beautiful. Yeah. And is it that we tend to fall into the same sort of role across the board, or do we fall into different roles habitually depending on different types of situations? How would you characterize that? I would say that what I notice is that um, people tend to have one of these roles or, uh, or stances that is kind of their comfort zone. Um, one, it's their interpretation that they are most familiar with and that they know the best. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's what I find is that there's, there's often a trend here, um, not to say that that can't shift, uh, if the circumstances shift, but I do find that, that most of us have a preference or it's, it's not even a preference. It's like a comfort zone. It's what we're familiar with and what we're used to. I tend to play this role. Right. Right. And so then I'm guessing there's some recurring thoughts or emotions and patterns that we can start to investigate and that you might be helping your clients see patterns mm-hmm. in the body, for example. Mm-hmm. And maybe you could speak to to that so we can give people yeah. an idea of some examples yeah. where we can start to investigate this in ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yes, I would say, um, so for the victim, um, the patterns uh, tend to be that the, the thoughts and the, um, the expressed um, concerns are, you know, and, and really the point of view is that I've been done to, right? Someone has wronged me or mm-hmm. some situation has happened to me, um, it's, uh, there's often a, uh, words or phrases or thoughts that have to do with, it's not my fault, mm-hmm. um, it's somebody else's fault, or it's circumstantial. Um, emotionally, there can be some combination of um, sadness, 
Sometimes it's sadness, like, look where I am, and this is painful. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there can be frustration, like, I'm stuck, uh, and I can't do anything. That helplessness mm-hmm. that can take the form of frustration. Yeah. And, um, and the body, um, the patterns in the body can be, there can be like a, a, a sensation of collapse, and actually, sometimes even uh, we can observe this in ourselves or others, like there's a hunched, their shoulders are down, there's sort of this feeling like I've been beaten. The body kind of reacts that way to those thoughts and, and emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, for the, the persecutor, um, the thoughts and the, the talk tends to be about... Um, Sort of having having made it right, having done what needed to be done, or having said what needed to be said, mm-hmm. sort of um, a sense of having um, uh, imposed justice, and then maybe a little bit. Sometimes people who are in the persecutor role sort of uh, will will have some justification, like I had to do it that way. There's no choice. You see how that no choice comes up again? Right, <laughs> right, no choice. to your point about agency, right? But I yes. didn't have a choice. It had to be that way. Mm-hmm. Um, there can be a, um, there can also be a little sadness if the persecutor feels like others see them in this role. Like, I'm, I'm the bad guy. I'm always a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and a little bit of sort of resignation about that and, but um, often there's some, there's some anger underneath all of that, like, um, that has fueled the taking of action. Mm-hmm. Um, that things were just not right, things were wrong, and they had to be made right. Yeah. Um, and then the, the body sensations or, um, or positioning that I tend to see is there can be a little bit of, um, like, a rigidity or a bit of like a puffed upness, like uh, like almost like an overemphasis on like look at all this sort of it's it's a false sense of agency, <laughs> like like look at all right. this power that I just exerted, like I I just said something or I just did something that made something happen that got a reaction or that changed something. So there can be sort of this sense of um, like almost an over exaggerated sense of being powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, that can show up in the body and, and also sort of that rigidity, like, uh, you know, because, because something wrong had to be righted. Yeah. And then, um, in the rescuer, I often find that, um, there is a, um, the words and the talk is often about, uh, need, like they need me. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that nothing would have happened without me, that, uh, that this person uh, needed my help, that if it weren't for me, um, you know, something wouldn't change, that, um, that there's this, uh, this sort of talk around um, being supportive and being kind of the good guy. And the, the emotions around that are often, often that there's a great deal of sort of empathy for the victim, like a really strong sense of, you know, this person is struggling and a real, um, and, and almost because of the empathy or compassion that's there, the rescuer feels like this compulsion uh, to act on that uh, emotional experience that they're having. Mm-hmm. And the body often, um, there's a real softness. Um, some, sometimes the rescuer has has sort of merged with the victim. Um, they, they have taken on some of the victim's collapse, maybe, or they, um, they have merged with the victim. They are still feeling uh, some sort of strength, like, I can do something about this. But um, the body is very soft because of the empathy and this um, sense of, you know, a real, um, uh, a real um, sort of a bleeding heart, like a soft-touched heart that you can um, see and feel. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That's so helpful to get some examples of how this shows up. 
that we can start to investigate for ourselves. I think it's helpful yes, to yes. tactic here. These are great here. keys to look for, like when That's we're right. observing ourselves. Yeah, yeah if absolutely. You're, you're saying or feeling those things and experiencing those things, you can begin to inquire, am I in that role? Yes, yes. And I would also just say that just bringing back the notion of, of courage, it takes a lot to step into this investigation to be willing yeah. to look at ourselves yeah. in this way and kind of call ourselves yeah. out on our own stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes immense amount of courage. It's, this is not an easy thing to do. Yes, I agree because the inner critic can really swoop in. Yes, uh, that's right. Yeah, that's if, if I felt like it was important to cover that yeah. again, you know. Really, <laughs> the inner critic is so like, hard here. Absolutely. It can really judge us for being in that yeah. role. Um, yeah. And and so it's really important if we're if we maybe have an inkling that we're you know we've taken that stance or we're looking at the world through that lens, we're in that role that um, that this is it's you know it's a common thing, it's uh, you know we have to be kind to ourselves really to kind yes. of say oh I probably like that was a habit that I developed over time maybe even someone taught me um, somehow I got into this role you know there were beliefs that were introduced to me at a young age, um, but that I don't need to be judged for being there. What's supportive is to be kind and to look at, yeah, what are my possibilities from here? Yeah, beautiful. So we need to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll hear more from Melinda Stevenson. And we'll also introduce our practice of the week. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Inner Force is brought to you by New Ventures West. Pioneers of the renowned integral coaching method, New Ventures West has been offering transformative training programs for three decades. Their world-class faculty is known for developing masterful coaches who are of genuine service to their clients while staying true to themselves. With a focus on personal transformation and practical wisdom, leaders from all over the world have learned to cultivate greater capacity and fulfillment in their lives and to make a more meaningful contribution to those around them. Learn how integral coaching is applied in business leadership through masterful conversations. A three-day workshop for professionals offered in San Francisco, the Washington, D.C. area, and other cities worldwide. Visit newventureswest.com slash innerforce to explore what is possible. That's newventureswest.com slash innerforce. New Ventures West. Bring your whole self to life. Does your organization lack proper leadership? We're not necessarily talking about experience, but about how to face the changing dynamic of leadership today. Sometimes the people we lead know more. Old ways don't work anymore, and the comfort zone just becomes too easy. Listen for Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. We'll show you how you can adapt and develop your leadership skills to today's workplace. Every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. This is Inner Force with Angela King. We'd love to hear your questions and comments on today's show. Please send your questions and comments by email to info at fuelinnerforce.com. Now, back to Inner Force. Welcome back. I'm Angela King, and this is Inner Force. We're talking today about the power of cultivating agency, and we're continuing our conversation with Melinda Stevenson. So, Melinda, what are your, what are the top things that enable a client to step out of the role that they're in and see the agency that they have in a situation? Yeah, I would say that there are three steps. They're slightly different for each role, but the first one is the same um, for all three roles that you're in. And the first step is to um, look at the payoffs that you're experiencing the path that you get from being in that role, because there's some part of you and your identity 
that is being served by this. If you can recognize that, then you can also shift. You can say, okay, that's serving me, but do I really need that? Mm-hmm. Um, it's usually for most of us, that's, that's an old, that's something that we needed maybe when we were quite young and we don't need it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the costs. So what is it costing you to be in this role, right? Uh, is it costing me a sense of having any sort of agency or power in my life? Is it costing me relationship? Is it costing me because I'm exhausted, um, for example? So payoffs and costs are the first sort of questions to ask yourself. And then, yes. um, and then there's really an opportunity to, to cultivate, like for, for the victim, to step out of that world to really cultivate your inner force, your, your will, Right? What is it that I want to have happen here? Mm-hmm. And how can I uh, take a step towards that? And also for the victim to work with um, taking some responsibility. Um, yes. What was mine? Is there anything, is there any part of the situation that by my actions or my inactions, what I said or did, um, that, that, that somehow, you know, had this happen to me? The more you, it, it goes along with, um, if you're going to have some power, you also have some responsibility. Yeah. Um, and with that, you can see where you, where you could maybe step forward and take some responsibility and change something, especially in a conflict. The more, we, the more responsibility we can take for what happened, the more it loosens up the other person to be sort of willing to listen and hear. Yeah, beautiful. Um, yeah, and for, if you're in the persecutor role, you know, once you've looked at the paths and costs, um, there's this, it's really helpful to, um, to cultivate more attunement to the other, to really work on that part of relationship skills, like to really tune into uh, and really think ahead of time uh, in terms, uh, about the impact of your actions. And to cultivate a distinction, to really work on what's the distinction between hurt and harm. Because sometimes for a persecutor to check in, to step into the challenger role, like you were talking about, a challenger might offer something that could like temporarily be uncomfortable for someone. It could hurt them for a moment, but they don't do harm. Right. And then for the, um, for the rescuer, really cultivating some healthy detachment, a little healthy distance <laughs> between themselves mm-hmm. and others, really working on boundaries. Um, yeah. What's, what's mine to solve and what's theirs? How can I support them? And how can I support that victim in cultivating their will? And taking responsibility, right? How could I support the persecutor in, um, in being more of a challenger? If that's, if that's your role, to be coach, right? To move from rescuer to coach. Um, what's mine to do, but what's theirs to do? Um, to really get focused on what's theirs to do first. And then back into that, how can I help them do it? Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so helpful to hear the tactics of some questions that we can be asking ourselves and ways that we mm-hmm. can be sort of uh, looking around in our experience for what might be happening and then what we can do about it. Yeah, and, um, and these all, you know, there are ways to practice this in conflict, in relationships, but also, you know, to the point that you made earlier in the show, it's when, like when James says, when we practice when it's easy, then mm-hmm. we can show up in that way when it's more difficult, right? When we're right, right in the moment, in the middle of it. That's right. right. So, That's right. yeah, so working with all of these things um, kind of on a day-to-day basis mm-hmm. can, can develop that capacity that you were talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, unfortunately, we have to wrap up our conversation, Melinda, but thank you so much for joining us. I know you're super busy right now, and I really appreciate you taking the time to share your insights and experience with us. Yes, thank you so much, Angela. I love I loved talking with you about this. Thank you. Thank you. So it's that time in the show when we introduce the practice of the week, and we're calling this practice Cultivating Agency and the Power of the Pause. So the idea is to find a time daily whenever works for you. And um, the thought that I had about this was to consider adding it into the one-to-one, one-on-one meeting that we've been having with ourselves. And for those of you who might be hearing about this for the first time, the idea with this one-on-one meeting 
is to take that framework that you might use to uh, meet with a colleague or an employee or even your boss, where you sit down one-to-one and talk, and to take that framework and turn it in towards ourselves. So we're creating a, a time in our day to connect in with ourselves and to create a cue in order to remember to do it. That always helps us. So consider picking either the same time of day, like I do it when I'm the coffee brews, or to add it to an existing um, habit that you already have. And then there's going to be four steps here, and they're really pretty simple. The first is to get present by taking a few conscious breaths. We recommend 10. Second, step two is to choose kind of a challenging situation or something that in the last 24 hours that's happened to reflect on. And then step three is to ask yourself some reflection questions. And using the frame of these various roles, what was my role in the situation? Did I see my agency in the situation before taking action? And if not, where could I have paused? And also to ask a question of what would support me in that pause? And then the last question is, what have I learned from this example and how can I apply that in that learning in the next situation that I find myself in? And then step four is to just congratulate yourself on stepping into this inquiry because this is really hard work. We also recommend, as we always do, using the three C's, courage to try it in the first place, curiosity to learn about the nature of our thoughts and emotions, and compassion to be kind to ourselves no matter what we find. You can go to fuelinnerforce.com to download the practice of the week. And you can also send us your questions and comments there. We'd love to hear from you. So that concludes today's show. We hope you'll join us next week when we talk about the power of turning inward and how it drives our transformation. We'll take time and give an overview of the various parts of the inner force process that support us in the turn inward to connect with ourselves. We'll talk about how we reconnect when we've lost that connection And we'll discuss the link between self-connection and transformation. In our new Ventures West segment, we'll be joined by Cynthia Luna, who is a partner of LF Leadership and a faculty member of New Ventures West. As we develop a method through which we can turn in towards ourselves daily and throughout the course of our day, we fuel our own process of transformation. This is what being connected to our inner force is all about. You can join us next week here on the Voice America Business Channel on Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern at 1 p.m. Pacific. The most important connection you have is the one that you cultivate with yourself. Connect, ignite, rise. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Angela King, and this is Inner Force. Thank you for tuning in this week to Inner Force. Be sure to join host Angela King for another program next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Inner Force. Connect. Ignite. Rise.